Hello and welcome to What Memory, the podcast for survivors of stroke and brain injury. I'm Stephen Masters and I'm here with Josh Reed. We've both had strokes. We want to share our experiences, find out how other people live with brain injury and investigate what's new in brain injury research. This is episode 21, Creative Writing. And we're joined today by Paul Chambers. He co-founded Poets In, a charity that runs mental health programs that incorporate creative writing. Perfectly suited to the curious combination of neurological and psychological problems that brain injury survivors face every day. The programs have topic names like Confronting the Black Dog, The Worry Diary and Stress Bucket, more of which later. We start by finding out more about Paul himself. I think the first thing I wanted to talk about, Paul, is um, your life before Poets Inn. Because you, yes. you talked about how you got to be, a, a, how you started Poets Inn. But what was the life you had leading up to that? Yes. So, yes, it was um, quite a varied um, uh, and undulating life. Um, <laughs> so I suppose the, the journey unknowingly started... Um, when I think it's when it, it was when my mum and dad divorced. Right. Um, it did traumatise me as a as a five year old. I didn't realise at the time, but right. I developed a massive stutter that um, kind of brought words into my life. That was, I suppose, that was the that was the catalyst for for the beginning of it all. Right. And what I did with, uh, for some obscure reason, I didn't want to go to speech therapy, but what I did was I began to immerse myself in quite grown-up books to learn alternative words that got me around those combinations of letters that would be the stumbling block for me, so I could navigate right. my way through a sentence without this crippling ang- uh, uh, embarrassment and anxiety mm-hmm. about, you know, just yeah. taking a minute to say a uh, say a sentence which is why I ramble so much now by the way um, <laughs> we like ramblers don't worry so that led quite naturally into me writing and even as a child my writing kind of came out in poetry it came out in fiction it came out in comics um, kind of drawing and and writing them as a as a means of expression that in in some um, well in a lot of them it was quite dark what was coming out of me uh, although it didn't kind of raise any any eyebrows but it was clearly the beginning of me using creativity as um, a way to purge and to vent and to and to, right. to get it out of my out of my head and I was yeah. self harming. I was um, I was drinking, and that led to uh, drugs that kind of went on for a good thirty years. Yeah, thirty years. Uh, thirty. So you years. basically went into this kind of slumber for thirty years. Yeah, yeah. Where I was you were just drinking things. and drugs, yeah, and yeah. I was knowing myself. I was self yes. self medicating. I was just pushing down all these things I didn't know I was managing. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until I stopped it all, I began to kind of clean up my lifestyle, that that numbing process ended, and I completely fell apart. Right. <laughs> um, understandable, because, you know, that, that had been, the, I'd glued my 
myself together with these unhealthy coping mechanisms, yes. I reached out for some help and the process began that I began to learn about myself. I began to understand I'd had depression and anxiety since I was a child. I'd had um, ADHD, uh, OCD, a heady mix of OCD and ADHD together um, and various other things that were completely undiagnosed. Wow. But I was, was self-medicating and then is that, oh, so that's why I did all those things. Yeah. Um, was the start of everything that became the Creative Mental Health Charity Poets. Fantastic. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm slightly reeling, I have to say, because yeah. <laughs> 30 years of some yeah. fairly serious complications in your life but yes, coming yeah. out with poets in which is an amazing idea so how does that actually work then how does it, how do you run these workshops of what creative writing where people just creatively write or how does that work but it is very much about putting pen to paper um getting things out of your out of your head out of your heart and kind of um in a variety of means right and uh, yeah, and and, um, and having a safe space within which to do it. Yeah. So the, the, the point of having, of writing creatively when you've had no previous sort of life history of writing and it is to have these workshops where people can just, do they have, do you have topics? Do you have set? Yes. So yes. Yeah, there are Sorry. workshops, because I remember going on a workshop with you which had a kind of very, a theme to it. So... Yes. Is that how you work yeah. it? There are themes. Absolutely, we we have so there are so the the, the core program is ten modules that can run up to ninety minutes that have kind of follow up activities that you can do at home, kind of in your in your spare time. But they are things such as um, managing worry. Um, there's one confronting the black dog and kind of managing depression. There's um, uh, self-care and self-compassion. There's um, uh, celebrating the small things. There's setting boundaries and saying no. So um, whilst as a whole it's an incredible uh, program that can teach you tools, tools for life, it, it can be quite yeah. modular. And I think we did we did two or three when we uh, yes. when we met over um, over a few. And I think we did depression. We did. The anger bucket, and I think we did um, happiness and barriers too. Yes, happiness, we did. We did. Um, yes, we did one with hope. I really seem to remember yes. all the things you hoped for. I wish I made a, yes. I made a long list of things I was hoping for. There's <laughs> about twenty <laughs> things. Yes, to do with family and stuff like that. But do, yeah, very yeah. important to me. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, there can there can be it can be it can be a very emotional process. Like right? yeah. paper and kind of and, and you know, we're inviting people to share their innermost thoughts, and it can be you know, it it it, it can be daunting um, initially, but. The whole point of this is the more you do it, the easier it becomes. So when yeah. you feel safe within a group and you realise that people are going through a similar situation or you know feeling similar yeah. feelings, 
the sharing part of that entire process. You never, you don't have to share. We never make anyone share, but the sharing part of that in front of people, whether that's um, the darkness, but also the 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 happiness ones, yeah. because you know we don't want to leave everyone feeling bereft and empty. We, you know, it is nice sometimes to kind of celebrate. Um, happiness and kind of have a lighter one, so it, yes. it, it undulates. Be more upbeat. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because well, I think it's like sure. when the sort of like the dam breaks of like, and you've held it in for so long, oh, yeah. and you've sort of got used to that, and you're like, oh, I don't want to hurt these people, I don't want to hurt my family, I don't want to hurt my friends, I don't want. I you just need the dam to break almost and talk in the comfortable space and feeling like you're lit being listened to but also it's kind of like a blank slate it's like you know you can leave an hour after the uh session and you can be like well i can talk about all of my feelings but then i can move on with my life a little bit do have um for individuals downloadable versions of a lot of what we do oh wow um, in the workshops for free on our website poetsing.com so uh, I think it's uh, if you go into the into the main main page it just says download and so there are there are they're available um, uh, tools to explore a lot of which we do in the in the programs but uh, but then there is also for anyone that's on Facebook like you know there's there's an extra layer to that that if you are on Facebook we've got a safe supportive troll free monitor 24 7 group there that um you know you can be as interactive or non-interactive as you yeah. as you as you want to be i think the the amazing thing about it was that there, there was an opportunity to externalize your thoughts that in a way you probably never had a chance to before and so you could just kind of things that are perhaps a bit unsaid Things that are kind of like, um, or, or unsayable even, things that yeah. you wanted to say about yourself and the, the state you're in, especially with stroke and brain injury, you're, you're so muddle-headed anyway, but sometimes you get some really bad days and you want to say things, but you realise in a deep of your brain that, you know, you can't possibly say this to your family about you know, how, how this is an impossible situation for you. And I think that... Um, that externalizing that thought and just putting it down and reading it back to yourself and thinking, God, that's what I'm actually thinking. It's, it's kind of marshalling those thoughts together because they, they were bouncing oh, off all four walls with me. I mean, it just, yeah. you know, I'd have bizarre thoughts five, 500 times a day and I could never kind of manage them. But when I could yeah. write them down, they started to make a bit of sense. And I yeah. think that was very important to me. And giving yourself permission to do that without yeah. fear of judgment, um, without fear of repercussions, without yeah. fear of even having to share it, because like manifesting yes. it doesn't yeah. mean you mean you have to share. I think um, I, I think uh, one of the things you 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 might remember, Stephen, is that um, we did the free thought writing, which is kind of like a a, a ten minute yes, free activity where you tap into those thoughts, yes, no matter yes. how dark or how intrusive or, or how illegal um, well, or yes. haphazard or <laughs> ridiculous, and you kind of, you give yourself permission to sit with them and write them down and, um, and work through them or not, but what we do do is we invite people in that particular exercise to tear them up at the end, to kind of like yeah. have that 
have that catharsis, yes. that therapy, that release yes. of, yeah, okay, I've just, I've just written these I, things down. I've res- written down some terrible, terrible things, but I can rip them up and throw them away. I remember that one. Yeah, it's all, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's so simple. It's really, really simple. And and in all honesty, most of, most of the things we we teach the tools we teach or the things we do are, are super simple. It's just giving yourself permission to do it, giving yourself time to do it, and giving an audience, if you want one, um, with which to manifest that, whether that's reading it out or kind of just like digesting it yourself. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. So that's the thing. Like I, So I had a psychologist who I spoke to and I felt that I had, I could say all, what all of ever awful things that I wanted. I could my fears, my worries. I could put that all on him because he was a blank slate. When you have a brain injury, it's possible to keep overthinking the same yeah. thing over and over again. You start to obsess with things because, and you're doing it neurologically. You're not doing it psychologically. It's just that you're yeah. creating that pathway of thought. And it was a great way of stopping that unraveling you. I mean, there's a phrase yes. we used before. Remember, well, what was it? We said unravel it before it unravels you. Yes, and I think out of here you have to get it out because if you don't get it out it's going to keep stirring around in your brain and it's going to create its own kind of neurological pathway of kind of doubt and destruction and really Mm -hmm. bad stuff and you've got to try and it's downbeat rather than upbeat and the only way to get rid of that but i do also remember that quite a few people express when they were writing they would express a lot of guilt which was a very strange thing to me because I never felt guilty about having a stroke. I just felt, oh, there's a lot of things I felt. I shouted against the world and the universe and the crap I've been put into, but I never felt guilty about it. So, but there were a lot of, especially women writing, would write about the guilt they felt that they, they can't, couldn't be any good mothers anymore, they couldn't look after their children properly and stuff like that. And a lot of them pour their hearts out oh, yeah. on that front. And I... You could see that if they bottled all that up, and because they can't tell their children that, can they? Can't no, tell their spouses no. that. That um, if they bottled it up, it was going to turn on them. Yeah, like like yeah, you say, the black dog, it would turn into a terrible, dark depression of yeah. psychosis. Yeah, because, because guilt, guilt is very much a quintessential part of depression, isn't it? Uh, like guilt, depression, anxiety—they kind of they're all they're all best friends. Um, and, oh, yeah. and, and, and you're right to not to not get that out to carry that around to, like it can poison you it can yes yeah. because one of the things I've, I found with, with, with stroke was that they were unmanageable thoughts just simple day to day stuff Couldn't I couldn't compartmentalise it but when I wrote it down, I could start. I mean, I had the list mania, which a lot of people with yes. strokes have. You just make list and list and list and more lists and lists of lists. But actually, being more creative writing, instead of trying to organize my brain by listing, I organize my brain by being creative and just mm-hmm. expressing something. All of a sudden, it started to kind of come into focus was, you know, this was over here, that was over there. I could compartmentalise it much better in a way that my brain hadn't been able to do without the writing. Yeah. 
I do remember the anger. The yes. enormous <laughs> amount of anger in that room. My God, I yeah. do remember one particular person who had um, very severe brain damage following a car accident, which was not her fault. Mm-hmm. But the other driver walked away. N- nothing wrong at all. But she's going to yeah. have to live with her brain injury. And her, she was obsessed about this because she was the, the victim here. She was a yeah. classic, and, and she couldn't get out of that. And she she wrote yeah. this huge, basically hate mail <laughs> to, <laughs> to this to this person, and just said how much he ruined her life. And you know, as, mm. but at the end of it, she seemed to be lighter, lighter because yeah. she finally yeah. said to us in the room what she would have loved to have what said to that thinking? guy. Yes, it's manifesting these things, and. Um, not carrying them around and feeling lighter as a result of kind of not carrying that baggage in. around, yeah. Yeah. In terms of the neurology of stroke and brain injury victims, it's not just the psychology; it's the fact that your brain's completely scrambled, and um, I mean your brain essentially blows up. So drawing together your own thoughts is a terrible struggle very early on. And there comes a point when you start to get more psychologically down as you become more aware of your own situation. Um, And you come out of that neurological stuff where you can't think of anything much besides falling asleep. And, And at that moment, you can really go downhill. And I think that intercepting that downhill moment when things can go seriously wrong which is for me was about six months in yeah when i suddenly sort of i started to come out of that fog a little bit and i'm thinking oh my god i'm really serious you kind of you don't realize how bad things actually are until you're a bit better to actually realize how what of a bad situation you are in yes and i think one of the things that that the the writing did was um, it helped me come to terms with the fact that I was going to have a slightly restricted life at that yeah. time when I did when I did your that course. I, it was a very restricted life. It's slightly less restricted, but I was it was coming to accept things as they really were, rather than as I would kind of hope them to be. In fact, I remember writing on your course. Where is it? I've got it pretty written down here. It was um, a list of hopes. At the end, I put hopeless as in being being creative hopeless yeah or hopeless do more remember that one i know hopeless do more and i i I ended with that and i thought actually i've just got to stop hoping about things all the time you know i hope i'm going to get really but well actually I'm not going to get better. There's yeah. yeah, no point in hoping I'm going around in a terrible circle of doom here. Um, I've just got to keep doing stuff and not get too obsessed with that kind of, oh, where yeah. will I be in three years' time? I, I mean, don't worry about it. Oh, you, you have to worry about it, but you can't let him govern. You can't obsess about it or, no, get, no, no. Or, 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 get, or get stuck on it. One of the things we teach, which is like a beautiful tool, and it, it saved my life when I had, I had cognitive behavioural therapy, mm. 
um, is the worry diary where um, you are like because again logic isn't your friend and there's things you can do something about something about there's things you can't yeah. do something about but it's the things yes. you can't yes. do some, some, something about it you get stuck on it you obsess about that you kind of you can um, uh, get completely like on this you can uh, forge that part neurological pathway through things and it kind of takes you off that path and kind of uh, gets you to approach things in a different way by yeah. scheduling worrying yes. and actually yeah, yes. kind of like, like putting, putting together a plan where you're going to worry about these things but um, and this is key that you um, when you set, a time that to, set aside that time to worry you, you actually acknowledge to yourself why you can't do something about something, yes. whether that's a brain injury, the the damage from a stroke, um, whether it's you know the impact of um, global warming. Yes. Know, there are things that are outside of our circle of control, but actually acknowledging that and digesting it um, is a huge part of kind of um, uh, uh, redefining that pathway. Mm, and it yeah, allows yeah. you to then get on with the things that you can do something about yeah. That don't make as much noise. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's so, so powerful. And it has an accumulative effect. And I always, mm. always use this analogy that, you know, there's physical health and there's mental health. Physical health, we know we can go to the gym once and we'll feel great. But actually, you have to keep going yes. to have yeah. that long, long lasting effect. The worry diary is kind of like one of those incredibly impressive pieces of equipment in a gym that does all these different things. And if you do it once, yeah, you'll feel lighter. It doesn't really get rid of anything, but do it for a couple of weeks. And if you if you catastrophize, if you're overthinking, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you struggle with anxiety or worry, it's so powerful. And it's free to download on our website. Oh, so, right. But that catastrophizing, um, that it, because I, I obsess with the fact that I, this will happen again. I'll have a stroke and have another yeah. stroke because that a lot happens to I a lot of people. You do, yeah. And um, so I would catastrophize about how this might happen. Just walking down the street. One day I'm going to walk down the street. Well, a bit like I happened when I actually had the stroke. And um, I'll be walking down the street one day. I'm having a cup of coffee and a cabinet. And it, bang, it'll happen all over again. Yeah. And I used to worry so much about that, about the circumstances I would be in at the moment. You know, I think, oh, I hope they don't have a stroke while I'm crossing the road because then I'll get hit by a bus as well. You know, oh, and, oh my God, it'll just go on and on and on. It's layers of of worry and anxiety and doubt yes. and everything like that. So what I found that writing that stuff down really kind of put it into perspective because I was thinking actually no this is, this is very unlikely to happen I've got I can tone it all back a little bit you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 processing isn't it it's like what what writing can write something down can do can give you a pause and it give you a little bit of distance that you can yeah. you, you know that you can like, oh that's what's going on in my head. In that free thought writing exercise I was saying about earlier, so much of the feedback I get is that I didn't, people say, I didn't realise I was thinking that. I didn't realise <laughs> yeah. that, that was going on in my head. And so then it's there, and what you do about it is kind of up to you. And I think I think we said something before about, um, it's like shouting at the universe, was it? Um, yes. Uh, oh, God, yeah. yeah, shouting at the universe, which is... Um, <laughs> A lot of people, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people did that on on the cross. I remember that it was like, why me? 
why out of all the possibilities yeah. in my life, which was going so well, you know, I used to be the centre of the community. I was the person everybody came to for this, that and the other. And I used to run a business and stuff like this. And now I can't do anything. And I think that whole shouting at the universe, you know, um, it's so unfair, you know, was the cry, yeah. wasn't it? And um, that's a very hard thing to get over, though. Yeah. It, yeah. Is, is yeah. You can't understand. It's like getting hit by a car or something. It's like... Why, why did it happen to me? You know, it's, it's either internal because your, your own body rebelled against you and gave you a stroke with a clot or a bleed or something like that, or a brain injury happens when somebody else, something else happens from outside, you know, an industrial accident or a car accident or something like that. But either way, the whole universe has kind of conspired to really ruin your life. And I yeah, think creative yeah, writing, you can't, you can't change that. You, you can't, can't change, change it, it but you can yeah, write exactly. about it. And th writing about it, I found, was was my kickback at the universe. Yeah, it's like, like a, yeah, yeah, the whole universe, <laughs> I don't care. I'm going to write about how crap my life is, and you're yeah, going to know yes. about it. And that's yeah, my revenge so, on like you. <laughs> I guess also it's kind of like, well, you tried your best shot, but I'm here now. So yes, yeah, you uh, yes, you didn't win. Whereas, like for so for so long, it can feel that the stroke, the brain injury, whatever, has won and beaten you. But you have to fight, almost fight against that. Yes, even if it's a little bit. So, how did that come about that you came into? Headway. Groups of people there were, I suppose, they were ready. They were ready for this next level yes. of sharing yes. because you, you were, you already. I and, and I've just remembered actually coming into a room of people and kind of explaining what it is that we did before it was even booked in, just to kind of like see if anyone want, wanted to 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 come along. And that, I remember that. There was already yes. that community feeling there yeah. of like of shared. Um, trauma, shared kind of injury, shared shared yes. um, experience. So it, it lent itself to kind of it all working, really. Very interesting that that initially I, I thought, I'm not sure, because there's so many different kinds of people in the room all sharing this one yeah. thing. We, but, but we would never talk to each other in real life. If we met... No. We would not never have met in other circumstances. No, they no. were just, you know, but uh, we, we all shared this kind of thing. But I was thinking, do I really want to say these things? I'm going to write them down, but I'm not sure I'm going to actually read out what I've written because I'm not sure I'm, I, and I'm not sure they want to share it with me because, you know, they wouldn't share their family details with me or anything else about their life. So, you know, why would they share their innermost thoughts? But actually, it didn't turn out to be like that. People were actually very open about yeah. just how much they needed to be creatively right, and then and then say the words as if yeah, as yeah, if yeah. by saying the words they written that kind of took it one stage further in kind of getting it out there because they knew they were in a kind of a pretty safe space really. you could say what you yeah. like and you encourage that Paul to just sort yeah. of not not feel in any way constrained you could just say it all no, in. No fully fully supportive at all times and i think and i think one of the one of the one of the kind of uh the things that make that easier for people to do is that everyone in our charity 
has lived experience, not not necessarily of of, of strokes, but of the of the um, the mental health side of it, mental yeah, illness. Yeah, yeah. And we're very open about it, very honest, and we will always start start things off if we need to by sharing what we've written because we are to a degree used to it. But I'm interested to ask you a question actually, because I wasn't privy to apart from kind of you know uh, sporadic conversations after that. But I'm wondering if there was a difference in how you interacted with people after that with people within Headway who you might not necessarily have shared so deeply with before how was it after sharing in front of them once we were out of that room did you notice a difference Ooh, that's a very interesting question i would say we didn't share stuff outside of the room but we had a much stronger connection with each other mm. in a kind of discreet kind of way mm. that we had shared something which you, I mean, you couldn't unsay it. Once you said it in the room, it was yeah, you couldn't yeah, unsay yeah, it. And you therefore, connected. you connected. Um, I mean, Josh and I often talk that people at Headway, when the staff aren't around, have a dark humour yeah. beyond anything you can <laughs> even imagine, even in the creative oh, writing class. We say some some very dark, dark things because yes. we have very dark yes. thoughts. And we also have no filter because the filter yeah. gets blown and therefore... You can. Yeah. But, yeah and, and, and I mean, the swearing and everything like that is dreadful, you know. It's a powerful way of processing things. Gallows humour, particularly if Gallows you're humor, your yeah. on a daily basis with real-life darkness, um, mm. you know, real-life loss, real-life, um, you know, trauma. Um, gallows humour is almost essential to kind of yeah. let off yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that steam um and we've kind of you know we we've 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 um had it in the past within our within our team that people have been a little bit shocked that um that sometimes how we'll joke about ourselves and like yeah. what it is that we're 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 gathering because we can be you know self-deprecating with our humor but yeah. that's how you process it sometimes yeah yeah um and uh, I'm, all, I'm all for it. Obviously, you know, it's it's all about intent. And as long as, you know, the intent isn't there to hurt anyone, which I know yes, none of us yeah. um, would do, yeah. um, which is why you kind of turn it on yourself. Yes, it is. Yeah. But, but, um, but yeah, gallows humour is, is a very powerful thing. I remember one woman coming out of that session and she'd written something, I forgot what she actually wrote, but um, I made a note of it here, actually. Um, she said, I've just had the funeral for my past life. And I thought, whoa, that is the weirdest, but most powerful thing you can possibly say. Because though she, she had a life before stroke, and she now she had this other different life, which was completely, utterly totally she was dependent on other people when yeah. before she she hadn't been um and i just felt oh I, I i could see that she'd kind of written it almost as a kind of order of service <laughs> you know and I, and I thought wow that's you know but you've got to be it's like writing your own funeral for for much later yes. in life but having to carry on with your life but having to write the funeral for the bit that you had up to now 
And she's yeah, only like yeah. 40 years old. I mean, it was really, you know, quite dire for her. I mean, that was something that I had to do uh, with my double lung transplant because yes. they were like, well, it's 50-50, you know, so you have to get all of your ducks in a row, per se. Um, and so, yeah, so um, I'm, me and my mum got incredibly drunk and sorted it all out. And that was the sort of only way that we could cope with it. Um, and sort of, especially for my mum, I guess, um, sort of cope yeah. with the idea that she might lose her son which I can only imagine how that is. It's also, so, you're, so you're balancing hope with like realistic nihilism, I suppose. Yes. Um, you, you, you have to hope everything's going to work, but yes. in the same instance, you're having these very real conversations about, yeah. about your funeral, about yeah. what you do with your stuff, who's going to clear your... Um, uh, search history. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just you sort of have to acknowledge that that is a possibility. I I guess you have to acknowledge that it might happen. Um, which you know, until as you said, like you get older, you don't normally then have to think about. But you know, for me, that was my life. Um, yes. from a very early age um, but yeah so you know luckily it didn't come to fruition Yay. Close, but um, yeah and, and now I'm like well it's all there if at some point in the far far future I do need it luckily when I the transplant went well and yes I had the issues of the stroke but you know it could have been worse I then was like oh I was talking to a therapist about well, I didn't have to, I didn't have to think what my life would be like five years from now, ten years now, ten years from now, twenty years from now, because I lived in the moment, which yeah. is great. Yeah, um, like you were you were mindful. Yes. yes, I had to live in the moment, but I couldn't live at all in the past. And so, for me, thinking about okay, what are you going to do in ten years' time? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I have no idea. Okay, I didn't even know you had to think like that. Like, <laughs> wow. It was uh, a big shift. Yeah. Um, but I'm also trying to keep hold of that living for the moment part because I think that's important as well. I mean, there's some life lessons there. Our thanks to Paul Chambers for joining us today and for creating his amazing and super successful creative writing charity, Poets In. Creative writing may be the last thing on your mind after a brain injury, but neurologically, remaking the connections in our brain between thinking and writing down what we think is one of our key neural connections. And psychologically, writing down our thoughts makes them real. It externalizes them, or as Paul would say, manifests them. Whether you're overwhelmed with sadness, incandescently angry, or grief-stricken for a lost life, writing it down, or if you want, reading it out loud to yourself or other people, has a transformative effect and sets up positive pathways in our brains. No matter where you are on the rocky road of recovery, a creative writing workshop from Poets In could release and then calm some dark and disturbing thoughts. 
If you run an organisation that has people who need a creative release, you can find out more about Poets In at poetsin.com. P-O-E-T-S-I-N dot com. And as an individual, you can access their programmes via the resource page of their website. You can also join their mutual support group via their Facebook page. If you have committed any of your thoughts to paper and would like to share them with your fellow survivors, email us on whatmemory2 at hotmail.com. That's W-H-A-T-M-E-M-O-R-Y followed by the numeral 2 at hotmail.com. And check us out on our Instagram at what underscore memory2. What Memory is our personal podcast. Any views expressed are purely our own or the personal views of our guests. We're not expressing the views of any organisation or business. And big thanks to our amazing sound producer and composer and fellow brain injury survivor, Jamie Rutherford. Okay, we're done. The only thing we know for sure after brain injury is that the future is unknown and daunting, but it's only going to be brighter if we plan for it to be that way. Bye for now.